Welcome to the Fire and Earth podcast with your hosts, Jason Mefford and Kathy Gruber. Fire and Earth, giving you the keys to unlock your limitless potential. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fire and Earth podcast. I'm your co-host, Kathy Gruber. And I'm Jason Mefford. And today, you may not realize, but we have a wizard with us. Wizard Steven Rivera is here with us, and we're going to talk about some fun, well, actually serious, but we're going to have fun while we talk about being serious, right? So, so Steven, (laughs) I know this this is how it just kind of goes, right? Serious fun or fun seriousness? I don't know which. We're going to have serious fun. How about, does that work for you? So totally, I'm excited. So welcome aboard. Just, just... (laughs) We just kind of go. It's raw and unscripted, <laughs> so here we go, right? Uh, so maybe, <laughs> you know, tell us, tell us a little bit, you know, tell the listeners a little bit about you, because I know, you know, you go by kind of wizard is one of the things you, you, we were talking before. I mean, you have a wand there, you've got Dumbledore in the back, so just kind of, you know, t- yeah, there we go, right? Oh, I love it. So um, just kind of, you know, let, let people know a little bit about you, then we can kind of jump in and talk about the topic that we kind of wanted to cover today with you. So first and foremost, let me just thank both of you, Jason and Kathy. This is a huge opportunity. I got a lot of love for both of you, so thank you. Uh, My name is Steven Rivera. I go by The Wizard, The Mindful Wizard. I'm the CEO of Mindful Wizard, a company dedicated to teaching people the power of mindfulness, the power of meditation, and the power of losing fear, losing doubt. So my intention is just to help people live their best lives. And the current medium that I use to support that intention is Instagram, my own podcast, and individual coaching. Sweet. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one of these where, um, you know, we like to talk a lot about mindfulness here just because there's so much fear. There's so much anxiety that's out there. And so anything that you can do to kind of wave that little wand <laughs> and magically help people to become more mindful is huge, right? Especially with all of what we're dealing with right now. So um, yeah, so we're, we are honored actually to have you on here too, so. Totally. So I had the privilege of being on Steven's podcast and we had a blast. But during that podcast, Steven, you shared me sort of your origin story of how you got here. You had, you had some stuff to overcome. So why don't you tell our listeners about that? I would love to. So I was very different. Right now, I'm currently 31. Around 18, I had a severe, severe identity disorder. I didn't know who I was. I would say a personality disorder. I was searching for truth. And I associated with a rough group of individuals, gangsters, and um, we would just do really bad things. I would leave my house late. I wasn't taking school serious. This is senior year in high school, the night actually before the SAT. And I went out and I thought it would be just fun to go out. And that night, my life changed completely. A young lady I was dating at the time warned me, almost as if she knew, And she said, tonight's not a good night. Don't go out. I didn't listen. Um, And I'll zoom in a little bit. I got hit with a bottle and it blinded me for life on my left eye. Um, As a result of that injury, my whole life changed. I couldn't move for two months. 
um, the, the first major surgery I had was a two month recovery time. So I was on a couch and I couldn't do anything. So this entire life that I thought I was living, this illusion of gangster, gone. This illusion of, you know, good looking dude, gone. So I had to rebuild myself. And the only way to do that, because I fell into a, into a pretty serious depression and I can see myself, you know, taking more risk, wanting to take substances that were risky, drinking more, going out, gambling. And I noticed that there was a decline in my, in my mental health as a result, you know, subsequently because of the injury. So what I started to do was, and I think that's how Kathy and I connected through the Tolly work. Mm -hmm. I started really searching mm -hmm. for, for healing. So I, I, I got to take a second to, to shout out Eckhart Tolle, the Don Miguel Ruiz tribe, all these powerful writers, because they're the reasons that I, I woke up from that illusion. So that was my main um, source of pain. And one more moment, if I may, was when I started working in jails. I was 23 years old. I had a teaching license, so I thought it would be easy. And I walked into my first job, but it was a juvenile detention facility. And I was, obviously, I, I was taken aback. I, I, didn't, I didn't know I would be in a jail, and especially teaching in one. So that's where my teaching started. And that's where I got really, really into meditation and mindfulness. First for self, and then secondly, to give back to the students that I work with. Yeah. Wow. We've had so many guests on, and Jason, as, as he was telling the story, I was thinking back to Carl Smith and his, the whole mm -hmm. accident and how that completely changed his life. And Peter, who was hit by the truck and that completely changed his life. And it's so fascinating because, uh, I asked the question the other day on my, on my Facebook group, what is one thing that once you overcame it, you realized changed your life? And it sounds like that moment of not being able to see actually opened your eyes. So I think the, the, the <laughs> irony of that and the symbolism of that is also not lost on me. Uh, it's amazing how the universe brings lessons to us. So I applaud you for, thank you for sharing that, first of all. And I applaud you for standing at that crossroads and choosing the way you did because it would have been very easy to continue that that downward spiral it's an easy ride uh it's an easy ride down so i applaud you for for stepping up and, and learning from that and teaching others that's amazing well that's where i kind of wanted to jump in a little bit first because i know we, we want to talk about the four agreements as well but you know it's so easy i mean you just shared your story and you know there you were 18 right your whole life ahead of you one night just like totally changes your life and it's and it's so easy and i think you know most people probably the majority of the people i don't know what it would be but probably 80 percent of the people at that point would just kind of hunker back and go woe is me they'd yeah. stay in the depression and they just have a shitty rest of their life right so what was it you know i i know you kind of mentioned you know eckhart and and the four agreements don miguel ruiz but what was that kind of catalyst or spark that kind of got you out of that and got you searching, right, to, to now be helping people with mindfulness and meditation to get out of that? But what was it that helped pull you out of that? Excellent question. I appreciate you. Because that's going to segue into a little bit more of my story. But going back to that gangster mentality, um, I'm Puerto Rican, Rivera. My father is very old school. So when I seek therapy and I told him, 
I may need extra help to overcome this. He looked at me in my face and kind of laughed as if it was a sign of weakness that I needed help. Now I go to my other group of friends, friends, and I say, guys, I'm 19. Um, I feel like I don't want to live. I'm not happy. Um, who I thought I was is no longer who I am. I need something different. And these, I, I, I'll never forget, they laughed in my face. And, the, and the, the joke was, I'm only 19. And that became kind of like their mantra and I would hear it. So one day, I remember now, this is probably three months. I never left, I haven't left my house. One of my good friends comes over and he finally says, Steve, let's ride the fucking bike. Let's at least get on a bike. And I remember, I'll never, I will never forget this moment, circling around Park Slope, uh, excuse me, Prospect Park in Brooklyn. And I remember just feeling the sun for the first time on my face. And I was like, I'm bringing this pain upon myself. I can no longer change what happened, but I can start living different. And that bike ride, it sounds so simple, was a moment that brought real life to me. Like it, it, I finally had something in control, which was my own happiness. So I went to the books, mm -hmm. but I don't wanna say that it was this clear and linear because I wanna add one more interesting story. So around 22, 23, unfortunately I go back to that group, right? The gangster group. And, and I really believe in whatever you wanna call it because this moment right here was just another catalyst. So I get with the group, we're hanging out, all fun, drinks, cool, nice fancy car, everybody's having a good time. Undercover cops stop us. Before I get in the car, I tell my friends, I'm gonna be a teacher, I can't get arrested, is there anything illegal in the car? All of them say no. We get stopped, police officers search the car, they find one bag of cocaine in the car. The cops throw all of us in a, in a van and they open the door, they say, we're not stupid, we know not everyone's gonna share that one bag. Someone has to take the blame. They close the door. They say, we're gonna give you one minute to the side. So I speak up first. I say, guys, I have my first undergrad. I got a lot to lose. I asked you if you guys had any illegal substances in here, I'm not gonna take credit for something I didn't do. No one says anything. All five of us get arrested. This is where I believe the faith though. I'm sitting in a cell for six hours about to lose every opportunity that my family worked for because we can't afford an undergrad. A $30,000 degree is a lot of money for some mm -hmm. people. And we were about to lose it like this. And I still remember, I said, God, if you're out there, help me out. And I promise you from this day, I promise you, I will leave these people alone. And what happened? A few hours later, a police officer comes in. He says, so we looked at the cameras. We can't prove it. We're just gonna put it on this guy because he has a warrant. The four of you can go. And I walked out the cell with no charge. I know it sounds too good to be true. And ever since then, I devoted my life to mindfulness and helping people, especially people in difficult communities. Wow. I mean, I just, I just want to like sit in that space for a second. I mean, that's yeah. just, I'm almost tearing up at that. Man, it's real. It's real. I, I mean that. And it, I know. It, it broke my heart. When I told my father, like I, I would have to, I remember that day, having to call my father and say, I can't get a job because I was out fucking around with idiots. Imagine the pain that that man would have to suffer. 
So yeah. ever since then, it's never again. So now I have two masters. I'm licensed principal, and, and God is good. <laughs> Amen. We made it together. Well, it's, I mean, it's, you know, the story that, that you, you know, your, your story mm-hmm. too, it also kind of brings up another couple of little um, points that I see, you know, your friends saying, let's go get on our bikes, yeah. right? That, that we don't have any idea the impact and the power that we can have in other people's lives. And we don't even realize it. I remember there was a time my, my brother had actually just died tragically when he was 13, right? And, and it was one of those kind of spaces for me. And one of my friends came over and said, come on, let's go watch a movie, right? And, and I remember that, you know, and, and, and how I, I, I've, I've asked him, I've told him about it several times, right? Because this has been decades. He doesn't even remember doing it. But I remember doing it. And so those little acts of us actually going out and doing something, your friend saying, let's go ride a bike so you can feel the sun on yourself and realize, hey, this is different, right? Or, you know, the little thing too of reaching out and praying and saying, come on, you know, I've worked for all this. Don't let this one thing, Mm -hmm. you know, mess everything up. And that's how you know, search for consciousness and the whole collective consciousness that we have. Um, just, we need to listen, right? Because it's, we can be this impact for other people and, and you're, you know, proving it now with what you're doing and trying to reach out, especially to, you know, disadvantaged groups um, and help bring them out of that darkness into the light, if you will. So. Yeah. And absolutely to that point, you never know when you're going to make a difference to someone. And I think that we are brought into people's lives very specifically for a reason. And sometimes it's us for them and sometimes it's them for us. Uh, And I could just think back to so many little, little moments where I've said something or somebody has done something for me. And sometimes it's just holding the door open and smiling and saying, good morning, that changes that person's life. And so it's those, you know, it's those little things. And I've talked to so many people who are on a spiritual path and they want to do these big things. They want to save the world. And it's like, why don't you just smile at the person next to you? Um, And I remember Carolyn Mace, who I'm a huge fan of. She's like, you know, people tell me they want these big things. You can't even do your PT every day. How do you think you're going to handle, you know, is, is the universe really going to give you this giant thing to save the world if you can't get on the floor and do your strap exercises, you know? But I think we, we overlook these little influences. And like you just said, Jason, you know, your friend doesn't even remember saying, let's watch a movie. Who knows if your friend Steven remembers saying, let's take that bike ride. Um, it's those little things that we can all do every single day. And I'm going to encourage all of our listeners right now, just do something today. One little thing to make yourself feel better to affect those around you. It's such a chaotic world. And, and my boyfriend and I were reading what was happening on Twitter this morning. And it's like, it's a mess out there right now. As California, Jason and I are surrounded by lightning storms, rolling blackouts, fires, you know, uh, all we need is a good earthquake. I'm, I'm kidding. We don't need that right now. Uh, <laughs> please no. Uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 please no earthquake. But it, it's true. It's like we can make such a big difference in people's lives just by being authentically who we are. So thank you for sharing the story. This is 
we never know where this is going to go. And I just love where this is going. So the, the purpose of, of talking today was not only hearing your story, but we were going to talk about the four agreements. And I know, Jason, you're really familiar with those. I read them years ago, and I don't remember. So let's refresh me and everybody else. What, what is that book about? What are the four agreements? And, and let's talk about that a little bit. Perfect. So thanks, thanks again for the space. Uh, sorry to get so emotional so early. Oh, I love um, it. No, it's beautiful. It's important to be emotional. We're humans. We're emotional beings, mm -hmm. right? Amen, 100%. So the four agreements, um, for, for the listeners that don't know, is a basically, it's a, it's a book written by a, by a family, Don Miguel Ruiz and his tribe. They're ancient Mexicans slash shamans known as the Toltecs. And their beliefs are that we are artists and we create the world we live in based off the thoughts that we carry. So the four agreements are as follows. Now, I don't know them in the best order, but I'm just going to say them. One is be impeccable with your word. Number two is always do your best. Number three is don't make assumptions. And number four is don't take anything personal. So those four spiritual truths have pushed me in a direction where I don't hate people for the things that have been done to me. For example, the young man that blinded me for life also put me on a path of success and happiness. So do I really hate him? I've used the four agreements to let that pain go. Something as simple as don't take it personal. It was my own fault for being there. I let it go. Now be impeccable with your word. Another very powerful message. Pecado in Spanish means sin. So I realized to be impeccable really means to live without sin, to speak freely, to speak authentically. So the four agreements are very simple truths that if applied can multiply your life and free you from chains that you didn't know you had on. Well, it's interesting because those are, <clears throat> it, it's four, so it's easy for us to remember, right? Which is, which is important. Um, and, and it's, it's the little things each day. I mean, like you said that the, you know, and the whole idea of karma comes into this as well, you know, that we, we, we don't judge, we don't take things personally because we don't understand what our karma or other people's karma is as well. Right. And so, like you said, you know, the young man that hits you with the bottle for whatever reason, that happened, right? Maybe it was something that he had to learn. Obviously it helped propel you to where you're at today. So instead of, you know, like you said, just let it go, right? Instead of, instead of wallowing in it and thinking poor is, you know, woe is me, poor me, just let it go and kind of learn the lesson. Um, is it, 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 is fabulous. So, so, so again, I mean, as, as far as, cause you've gotten into this, into this work, you know, and how, how has it helped you? Maybe what, what I'm trying to think of is how, how can we maybe give some people some practical things so they can look at just even today, take one or two of these today and let it start working in your life. Right. Um, so you said be impeccable with your word. I think it was do your best right no no assumptions don't make assumptions and don't take things personally so which two can we carry forever yeah well you know and, and i think it's even 
Yeah, because these are all similar. I've some work that I do with another man. He apprentices with a shaman. And so a lot of the things that he's telling us goes along with this, right? Um, and it's, it's um, yeah, so which ones do we want to talk about first? Because <laughs> it, it, it's some of them, I, th I think the easiest one is, is probably don't take things personally, right? I think if we, if we start with that, because I mean, we could go in being impeccable with your word. There's a whole, there's a whole thing with that. And, and we are not as impeccable with our word as we think we are. Because what we say we must do. So better not to say than to say and not do. Right. But I think, I think some of the stuff around not taking things personally is that's a, that's an easy practical thing anybody can do today. Right. Somebody cut you off in traffic. Let it go. Right. <laughs> so, so Stephen, how do you, you know, as you are teaching people, cause I know this is, you know, part of your life passion. How do you, how do you teach people uh, and, and kind of give them some ways of really incorporating or starting to get this into their life and being more mindful um, about what they're doing and are they actually following the four agreements? Great question. I also agree. It covers so much spiritual space. Mm -hmm. So this is usually, depending on what the client needs, I outline the four and then the way I teach it is I ask them to remain mindful of their thoughts when they are taking things personal. For example, the perfect example that you use, stuck in traffic. What are you telling yourself while you're stuck in traffic? What's going on in the internal narrative, the monologue that you're having? Are you telling yourself, I suck, I'm horrible because I didn't leave half an hour before? So it's funny that you asked that question because last week I spoke to the son of, of, of the father of the four agreements, like Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. And he spoke to me and he said something like, a lot of people read the four agreements, but it becomes the four attachments. It becomes the four constraints because mm. we hold ourselves. It was, it was so profound when he <laughs> And I, he said, I want people to start thinking, are they using the four agreements or are the, the four agreements using them? And I said, this guy is wise. And it applies because even not taking things personal. If I do take something personal, then I tell myself or I judge myself mm -hmm. for taking it personal instead of just recognizing that I made a mistake and I can move on. That's why I always do your best is a nice segue because it's mm -hmm. don't take it personal. You realize that you did and you try again tomorrow. You, the, the goal is not to let the negative energy consume you yeah. so that you can navigate mindfully that's the way i would describe that yeah which completely crosses with what eckhart says eckhart tolle was it's not the traffic that's the problem it's the story you're telling about the traffic story it's, why is this person in front of me why are they being so dumb oh my god don't they have anything else to do shoot i should have been someplace else and do, you know i should have taken third street instead of fourth because fourth is always crazy and what is wrong with me i know better and why did i listen to ways and you know it's that stuff um mm -hmm. which is why in that presence without that chatter, that mind chatter, which is our ego identity, there's no problem. And when I teach mindfulness and presence, I, you know, there's no stress right now. In this moment, everything's perfect. There's no stress, there's no problems, nothing's wrong. That's the negative stuff from the past that we're dragging along with us. 
and those what ifs that are keeping us awake at night in the future that are the problem. In this present moment, unless you're experiencing physical pain, in this present moment, it's not the problem. The traffic isn't the problem now. It's where you should have been 10 minutes ago or where you're supposed to be in five and you know you're not gonna make it. Um, and if we can stay present and not take it personally, this always happens. I hear people say that all the time. I always pick the wrong grocery store line. This always happens to me. I never get what I want. Really, it always happens to you. Every single time throughout history when you've been in line, it's been the wrong one. And they kind of laugh and they go, well, probably not. It's those, those, those words of always and never, which we should just absolutely throw out because that's not true. Um, but is it is about staying present and being mindful of what your thoughts are doing. And that's hard to do because every three to five seconds, our brain has something very important to tell us. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, it just makes shit up. <laughs> you know? Because if, it, if it's quiet, then who are we? If we don't have that brain chatter, who are we? And it's that search for identity. So for someone who's little, 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 you know, us vastly intelligent people who can't stop thinking, um, how do we stop that chatter? Great question. I think what's worked for me at least, right? Because going back to the surgeries, the chatter, right? The physical pain was one thing, but the emotional pain, is what I was telling myself. You're stupid. No one's ever going to love you anymore. Why would they hire you? You look disabled. Whatever I would say to myself. And I don't believe that anymore. But back then, it was so real to me. So I needed to learn how to disassociate with thought. And that's why I think I've become so obsessed with the Tolis, with the Hans that we spoke about and um, search for uh, consciousness. So what I've done is just become aware with empty space. So sometimes I'll sit and I'll just meditate and, and just kind of just sit there. And I've read that if I get anxious, sometimes the anxiety becomes what I observe. So I ask myself, what am I anxious about? Mm -hmm. And and slowly the thoughts dissipate. If I may, I have, I don't show everyone this, but you, you guys are special. I have my <laughs> It's true, it's true. I have my nine written, like almost like my own agreements mm -hmm. and the the one that I love the best when I'm super anxious is number five. And it says, not everything is a threat. And mm -hmm. I tell myself that, like, relax, man. Not, not, no one's out to hurt you. Relax, my brother. It's, it's all like you kind of said it already. It's all in your mind. And what are we telling ourselves? So, so what I do is I remain as present as possible, deep breathing throughout the day. And then I wear my cool little gems, which mm -hmm. kind of just is a physical reminder to stay present. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I have so funny. I have so many of those bracelets that are scattered sort of all over <laughs> because when I was doing when I was open and allowed to do massage, I can't wear anything. But I've got Buddhist meditation beads on my wall and Jason and I have done several episodes that we entitle What's on Your Desk. Mm -hmm. Um and it is it's about surrounding yourself, you know, I'm in my office today and I'm looking around and everything I see reminds me of either someone from my past, a client that has given me something or to stop and breathe and relax for a second, you know? Um, and it's just, it's so good to have those reminders to stop and be present. And one of the questions that I always ask that I have my clients ask when they're having stress stuff is, do I know that to be true? Um, mm -hmm. Same thing, not everything's a threat. Do I know that to be true? Do I really know that the guy in front of me in traffic looked down the freeway and went, I'm gonna cut her off. 
do I know that to be true? Or I've had grown women say, I'm mad because I waved at Beth in the parking lot and she didn't wave back and she must not like me. And I'm like, are we 13? Why are we having this conversation? Maybe she didn't see you. Maybe she's distracted. Maybe she wasn't wearing her glasses. What do you know to be true? And unless you sit this woman down and say, hey, I saw you in the parking lot and I waved and I'm really hurt because you didn't wave back. What was up with that? You never know what's true. You can make up any story you want. What do you know to be true? And it's the same thing as that. Not everything is a threat. Not everything's out to get us. Uh, and I think that that what do I know to be true actually sort of quiets our thoughts for a second and allows us just to be present in this moment. This is all we have is this moment right here. Um, and it just brings us back to balance. It brings us back to balance. So I'm looking at the clock and I realize we've blown through our half hour. I want to stay all day. <laughs> I want to yeah, I think it's, you know, uh, you know, Stephen, thank you for, for coming on. I mean, the, um, as, as humans, one, one of the things that I've, I've noticed is, you know, we think we love ourselves, but we don't really love ourselves as much as we think we do. And, and, you know, those thoughts, you know, like you were expressing, you know, that we end up having go through our head are not the kinds of things that we would say to someone that we love, but, but we tend to do that to ourselves quite often, you know, and so that's why, you know, remembering do your best, right? Just, just do, just do your best that you can have some compassion for yourself because we're going to screw up sometimes, right? Um, change the stories, don't try to take things personally and just be as present as possible. And, you know, I think, like you said, you know, when, when people get in that, you know, what do you do? You talked about doing deep breathing, you know, about just kind of relaxing and, and some of that stuff that are, are simple things that all of us can do every day if we just remember to breathe. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I, if I'm feeling, I got all that monkey chatter in my head and I'm coming to you and I'm like, Steven, I just can't get it out of my head. What are you going to tell me to do? Deep breathing. Deep breathing. Right. <laughs> and, and what's so amazing is what it only takes like a minute, 90 seconds, Yeah. 90 seconds of breathing. Mm -hmm. it's very powerful stuff. Very powerful. Yeah. And I just realized, I love that you share that you have your own agreements and I'm thinking, why don't we all do that? Because I know that one of mine would be, be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm very hard. My inner Capricorn comes out and is that taskmaster. And it's great. She keeps me on task. She keeps me professional. She keeps me accomplishing things. She's also really a bitch. Mm -hmm. And she can be very hard on me. And that's an aspect of myself that I've developed over the years. It's the inner, you know, that inner critic, that inner, you're not doing enough. And it's like, I have to be gentle with myself. There are days you sit on the couch and play Pokemon. It just happens. I mean, that's, you know, you have to give yourself the permission to, to take a break and do that. So I'm going to uh, get up when we're done here. I'm going to write my agreements because I think cool. I need to have some of those. Jason, let's share our agreements next time. Oh, man, that means I actually have to do it. Yeah. Well, and what's I'll send interesting? my Capricorn over to you. <laughs> <laughs> to, to whip me into shape, right? But, but I think it's interesting because the, you know, that's probably a great idea because like you said, I mean, you know, when you were talking with Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., you know, he says, are you letting the four agreements control you or are you mm -hmm. using them, right? And again, it's like, you know, for some of us, slightly different words might resonate. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So actually writing out your own kind of agreements based on this, but in mm-hmm. your words is probably going to be much more powerful yep. for people as well. So, so the goal there was to kind of do a mix of my own affirmations coupled with spiritual truths. Like Kathy said, the second one is be nice to yourself. Yeah. And then my favorite here, because it's attracted a lot of opportunities is just thank you. Literally, nothing else. Just thank you. Sitting in the space of gratitude. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Very great. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. I'm (laughs) very grateful for you, Stephen. I'm so glad that I, that we connected and that that we got to share this uh, this experience with you. This has been amazing. Um, Where can people reach you? Where can they find your podcast? So, guys, you guys have been great. It's been a lot of fun. Um, if anyone wants to hear from me directly, my podcast can be found anchor.fm slash mindful wizard. And if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm just mindful wizard, one word, mindful wizard. And the, the link is in the bio and you can find my, my podcast there. Okay. Instagram and podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if we're connected on Instagram. I'm going to go do that right now. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for having this, for taking the time to be with us. This was beautiful. Um, I'm Kathy Gruber. I can be reached at kathygruber.com. And I'm Jason Mefford. I can be reached at jasonmefford.com. So probably rewind this episode, listen to it again. And your takeaway is come up with some agreements uh, that you can start incorporating in yourself, start being more kind to yourself and, um, Go out and live the best life that you can because that's why we're here. This is why we're doing this. And we'll can Stephen again, thank you. And we'll catch everybody else on the next episode of the Fire and Earth Podcast. See you.